the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. It is a delight to bring back Brandon Weikert, Brandon J. Weikert, as we do almost every Monday for our third hour. He is the publisher of the Weikert Report, author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. He's the author of The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, and uh, delightfully has uh, also now become, uh, is it a senior editor at a wonderful publication, 1945.com. Welcome uh, welcome back, Brandon. Congrats on that as well. Well, thank you for having me. It's so good to be here. 1945, uh, you have a column up there about the Democrats, and I want to get to that, actually, because I've spent a lot of the afternoon talking about Republicans, but tell us about 1945's mission and, and all that. It's it's kind of an interesting year, uh, the way they conceive it, if yeah. I understand this right. Tell us a little bit about this publication. Birth of, yeah, so basically it started out as a foreign policy-only website. That's certainly with my background, how I knew it. And I know a lot of the people. Uh, Michael Rubin is one of the guys over there. I know you've had him on the show before. Oh, I've, I've known Michael uh, years, for years. Yeah, yeah so yeah. He's, one of their, he's one of their big gurus over there. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was contacted, and they, they said, hey, look, we're expanding. We've got uh, about 100 million clicks per day. It's huge numbers they're doing. Yeah. Uh, for a foreign policy website, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, it's really extraordinary, actually, mm-hmm. considering it's pretty high-level stuff they're writing. Mm-hmm. And so they said, uh, you know, we want to expand now, and we want to start talking about domestic politics, and we know that your your background with working previously in the Hill is that you work for the Republicans, and we know that you're usually a foreign policy guy, but would you want to try your hand starting out writing about the 2024 election? And I said, um, I said, uh, I said, sure thing, let's let's do it, and let's have fun. And then they said, we'll pay you a nice, nice amount of money. And I said, even better. So, <laughs> so, you know. Well, let me give and, out the website uh, for interested uh, readers, 1945.com, 19 and then spell out 45.com, 1945.com is this publication. I'm just getting to know it myself. Brandon, I got to tell you, I love what they write about their mission. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. They said, uh, go ahead if you want. Yeah. No, it's 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 pretty. Uh, it's a bipartisan uh, initiative, so they have um, they have both parties uh, that they deal with, and so they have an equal amount of lefties and an equal amount of crazy righties like me. And well, so, it's pretty, <laughs> <I wouldn't>, pretty, <laughs> maybe sane righties like you and crazy lefties. I don't know, but they but <laughs> yeah, that yeah. year, nineteen forty five, that they focus focus on is kind of interesting. They, yeah, they, they, it is a pivotal year. Um, they say you know it might have been the beginning of the atomic age. Many together. Yep. Uh, many bundled together countless wartime political and economic events and consider it the start of U.S. primacy and dominance across the globe. I will add one other thing, which is um, while, yes, military dominance, at least for some decades, uh, 1945, uh, maybe maybe the beginning of intellectual decline. Um, this was yeah. this was just about the time when postmodernism was really beginning to infect our academies, institutes of higher learning, think yeah. tanks. I uh, remember uh, scholars like Leo Strauss and Hannah Arendt were kind of lamenting what was oh, going yeah. on in the Progressive Academy within the next five years. Kind of we won the victory but lost the moral victory of sorts in defeating That's fascism. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
no doubt, no doubt. And you know, um, and this is why it's always been such a communication because of how they're able to get both political sides in on it. Um, because it's a pretty, I think, fairly. I wouldn't say necessarily conservative, but certainly a traditional view of the world, their mission statement, which is that, yeah, you've got this this year that was the high point, really, of American and Western civilization. If you think about it, we vanquished the Nazis, we had the communists on the rope, we were at the pinnacle of our technological innovation, and then, uh, you're right, the seeds of our own self-destruction was uh, kind of... of yeah, that's that's about that's fight. about when it was born. You get exhausted. We get yeah. as Americans exhausted after military accomplishments. One might say in 1945, going forward, we did. One might say after the Berlin Wall, we did. One might say after yep. the first Gulf War, we did. We 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 get these general moral exhaustions of things. Maybe even 9/11. You know, um, right, right. We have these tremendous right. military victories and never never cease. How did Leo Strauss put it? But we deprive. Uh, taking upon ourselves the most sublime fruit of victory, which is the imposition yep. of our thought on the defeated enemy. They seem to impose theirs on us yeah. more than we do to them. Don't isn't that the case? That that's correct, and it's uh, it's a uh, you know it's it's one of those things that continues to plague us yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's a pattern that we're playing out. And the problem is we go through these periods of exuberant you know dominance followed by sort of this malaise. Yeah. But every time we go through this pattern, it seems like we're getting weaker and weaker yeah. and weaker, yeah. and that that exuberant dominance lasts less and less. Remember, after 9-11, there was probably about a, a, a year period where Americans really were together as never before, and that since probably World War II. Oh, I studied and, this one deeply. You're, you're, you're generous right. with a year. I, I, yeah. I, we gave it three to four months. Three to four but months. honestly, yeah. really, what, what did us in was as soon as we transitioned to maybe we're going to go to Iraq. That suddenly, when everything kind of blew up and we were back to, you know, the left was calling President George W. Bush, Governor Bush. They were bringing up the whole, he's not really the president again. And, and, and it, it was immediate. It was within probably a year, year and a half that all, and if you think about World War II, similarly, we, we came together. The country was very yep. divided mm-hmm. before this Pearl Harbor happened. Right, right. And then we all came together. Yep. And we lasted for at least four or five years. We were pretty together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we and start beating it, up on ourselves and we start yeah, apologizing. It seems like yep. it's getting shorter yep. and shorter and shorter yep. and shorter, so much so that today now we're told that this is the most divided we've been since 1856, which is a pretty scary thing. Well, that's, how, that's the way it tends to work, isn't it? It's divided as we beat up upon ourselves. So if you think about right. 9-11, there were a lot of departure points from the unity and the patriotism uh, Al Gore exacerbated a lot of them, even even after the fact, when he was still kind of the Democratic nominee right. presumptive. Uh, John Kerry, certainly. Right. And then the unionization argument about uh, the Department of Homeland Security and all that, to be right. sure. Yep. But, you know, and then we did this other but we did this other cultural thing, too, which was you could open any cable channel probably outside of Fo- you could turn on any cable channel outside of Fox or open any newspaper or magazine. And feel that America was as concerned about Islamophobia as it was, in fact, if not less so than radical, more so than radical Islam. We were we were beginning to blame ourselves all over again, just like after the Berlin Wall, just yeah, yeah, just like after the defeat of Saddam Hussein, just like after 1945. Yeah, and so I think you're you're 100 percent, and this is why it's been such an interesting publication. I followed it for years and. 
I was very honored that they reached out and said, hey, we'd love to bring you on. I thought it was interesting that they want to start transitioning now, not just to foreign policy, but they want to start opening up to domestic policy. You'll see articles. I just posted one that was very interesting on the end of Social Security. Yep. Uh, and so they're, they're really starting. And it's because it's such a popular it's such a popular product now yeah. that they can start branching out. And so it's, I, I think it shows you, though, that 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 year is not just about foreign policy. No, no. That year is really, as you know, whether it's Hannah Arendt or, or you know, there's there's many thinkers who are pointing out time frame yeah. was really the pivotal period where we were both at the height of our power. That's right. And it was also the real beginning of our decline. Yeah. And how do we how do we address that? Intellectual uh, intellectual decline and self debasement uh, with with the struggle to have a military presence. Uh, or excuse me, a military superiority on the world that we didn't know. And right. we didn't think maybe we were quite qualified for, and the self doubt right. sunk in. It was. I was talking to somebody this afternoon about this, and it was just very interesting because you know you, you look at what's going on with the Biden administration's right. foreign policy, right. and you can't help but to think: Is this just incompetence, mm-hmm. or is this really the diminution, the purposeful diminishment mm-hmm. of U.S. foreign policy across the board? We are now we've retreated from Central Asia via Afghanistan. We've basically lost the Middle East and are handing it over to Iran and Russia and China by extension. Uh, you know, we're in the process of overcommitting in Ukraine to the point that we are not going to be able to win. And therefore, we are going to basically witness the end of NATO or the diminishment of NATO uh, and the rise of or the return of Russia. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, the Biden administration appears to be very, very, very unwilling to totally confront China and address it as the threat that it is. Brandon, this is the book we should write. Um, It has something to do with preemptive cultural as well as military um, surrender. Uh, Preemptive surrender is what we're talking about here, because you do look at a lot of the domestic issues, whether it's depriving ourselves of our own natural resources to be energy sufficient, self-sufficient, whether it is the way we handle the military, like it's a sociological experiment at Harvard rather than a fighting force, whether it's the border, whether it's the drug thing that we just seem to be hamstrung by or blithe about. Uh, right. that, uh, things that an administration that actually gave a damn about America could do things about seems not to want to. Right. Right. And it's and again, that gets to the point of is this purpose? Yeah. Or right. Is this just right. Yeah. And you can't help but to think that if you think about the last 50 years, everything that they've talked about on their side of the aisle about how America is too big for its own good, about how, you know, we're too prosperous for our own good. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, it's all it's all sort of happening now that we have this. This, you know, I'm writing an article for American Greatness. I haven't submitted it yet, but this, you know, the mass depression. Yes. Where basically, yes. they're covering up. They're covering up the fact that we are, we are, food prices are spiked at the highest they've ever been. Middle class America is in massive decline. Hold, hold the uh, thought real we, quick, brother. Yeah. This is big. Uh, Brandon Weikert is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Brandon Weikert, who's also a columnist among his uh, other duties, is also a columnist at the Asia Times, the Washington Times, other places. Brandon, we're talking about a little bit about American decline. Uh, didn't mean to get us focused on this, no, but no. go ahead. I mean, you, you take the survey of uh, whether it's the homeless, the chronic homeless crisis, the drug uh, issue and drug uh, poisoning deaths, uh, whether it's the border, whether it's our seeming unilateral self-disarmament, whether it's the outsourcing of our um, whether it's the outsourcing of our national security. You were doing another list. Keep going with it. It's it's perfectly. Well, you know, you you look at you look at the way that. Yeah, you look at you look at the way that that they're hiding the fact that um, 
the the um, economic growth rates in quarter mm-hmm. four of last year, they silently revised uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was not as strong as they said it was, right. the government, and it was significantly weaker, actually. Um, and if this were the Trump administration, you would be hearing about how this was the worst economic time ever, and Trump's terrible, and he should be thrown out of office, and he's a liar. But Biden's people are willingly going in and fudging the numbers right. on everything. And you look at the spike. I was just reading an article today. There's a massive spike in food prices, right. historic levels, yep. and they're covering it up. They're not talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at, you just go to your grocery store. You're getting, I'm having to pay more at a Walmart for less food. For food that's someone, told, t- someone told me the other day they were paying double what they did four that's years right. ago. Double. Double. That's right. That's know. right. Double. You look at it, 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 it's insane. And then you look at the fact that, um, you know, less vehicles are being built here. They're mostly being built in China. Uh, how are we gonna How are we gonna go to war with China when our manufacturing is still being done overwhelmingly in that country? Uh, the Biden administration talks about how they want to divest from China and onshore, but they've done nothing to indicate that that's the action is actually in place. It's not. In fact, we're getting more dependent. Wall Street says one thing: they say, "Oh, we're divesting from China. We recognize the dangers." Now that's a lie. They are actually expanding. Many of these Wall Street firms, notably BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, they are expanding their presence and their investment portfolio in china uh we are being lied to about everything both by the government and wall street um and it's 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 all part of this diminishment this, this diminution of american power it's almost as if they're trying to make the entire nation 1976 new york city that's, or something that's right you know? that's right or even present new york city yeah, oh, yeah. not going right. so well over right. there right now right um, but the point is or modern day california right. they're trying to californianize which i think is Michael Anton's thesis in The Stakes, his second book that he did uh, a few years ago. But, but the point is, is that, that we're being lied to, and whether it's foreign policy or whether it's economics or social issues, the administration in particular, the Biden administration, is saying one thing, and their actions are doing the exact mm-hmm. opposite. Mm-hmm. And they all cut back to these complaints since the 1950s and 60s the left has had that America's too prosperous. America's too selfish. America's too big for its own good. America's too strong militarily. We need to cut us down to size in order to, to make it fairer. And I mean, this is the stuff that they used to talk about openly in the left. They don't really anymore, but I think that it's been internalized. And now all these radicals are running the show right now, and they are just acting on that internalized belief. And I, they're not talking about it, but it's very scary because this is the this is the major decline of America, and it's willful and it's purposeful. It's not incompetence anymore. I don't think it can't possibly be. It's deliberate, and then the question becomes: Is it deliberate because they believe in these progressive dream palace ideas, or is it they don't care that these dream palace ideas have a negative effect? But you know, it's attached to something political, which is the increasing rate at which the Republican Party is kind of picking up working class voters in the sense yeah. that you're really recreating this this Reagan Democrat phenomenon when you think about who constituted the Reagan right. Democrat. It was what you used to call the blue collar lunch pail workers in think yeah. Macomb County, Michigan or something like that, that just kind of looked around and thought, you know, this just isn't right. And it was on a lot of economic issues. But frankly, yeah. Brandon, in those days, it was also cultural. It was race-based affirmative That's action right. and abortion. That's right. Well, and, you know, I think Bill Maher has been the leading voice that, you know, and he's right when he's like the Democrats have, should have every you know advantage because the culture is controlled by them. Everybody, young people love the Democratic Party usually, et cetera, et cetera. And yet they're struggling in many cases mm-hmm. to retain voters because of the cultural mm-hmm. issues, because mm-hmm. They're going too far into these sort of very niche issues 
like transgenderism, mm-hmm. like homosexual, whatever. In fact, even the gay marriage issues now somewhat somewhat not as controversial. It's now even you have these 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 homosexuals saying, "Hey, look, um, you know, let's not go crazy with transgender stuff." They're now sounding more conservative. You know, gay marriage people are now sounding more conservative than the trans transgender people. And I think it's because that shows you how radicalized the left is. There's the revolution is always going on. It's mm-hmm. never going to mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep grounding on. And in the process, they're destroying our civil society. They're dividing Americans against each other. They're atomizing us. Big tech is adding on to that. Uh, you know, they're making Americans not just on the world stage uh, and economically small, but they're making us on an individual yep. level. They're making yep. us small. Right. And you see that. You know, I, I, I've taught high school before. I see in the, the new generation, the, this, they, they, don't, they don't dream big by the time they're in a senior in high school. They're very small thinkers, and they, they, don't, they don't have that kind of ambition that previous generations did. It's just sort of checking the boxes and, and, and staying in their lane. There's no curiosity. Some of that's just inherent in, in youth, but a lot of that, I think, is the culture. And who controls the culture? It is not the Republicans. It's the Democrats. What do you say about a party? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the concluding firing art, uh, shot argument here. I'll give you, I'll give you the, the summary of what you're saying in, in what I'm about to say. What do you say about a party whose greatest criticism of the Republican Party is saying the Republican Party wants to make America great again? They think right. that's a pejorative concept. They think they well, treat or, MAGA yeah. as a pejorative concept, and it, it's, it's unfathomable to me that you would that. say making America great again is a bad but, idea. But Seth, it's literally been labeled domestic terror. Of course, I mean, I think that needs to be like it's not even like a joke. It's not even like oh, American Taliban, ha ha ha. Right. No, it's literally the Department of Homeland Security is using state power right. to the same tools they used to go after al-Qaeda and ISIS globally. They're now directing specifically against MAGA. Yeah. They're going, or, mean, or the notion of America first, right. I mean, as if they I want America last. That, you know, you know? Remember, well, remember, Joe Biden got in a lot of trouble in 2011 when it was his national security advisor as vice president. It was uh, Tony Blinken, right. who's now the secretary of state was interviewed by Chris or Ryan Saliza at the New Yorker about the Libya thing. Mm-hmm. And at the time, uh, uh, Blinken said our foreign policy for the Biden team, our, our, our outlook uh, is a little bit different from previous people. Our outlook in 2011 was leading from behind. Mm-hmm. And now you look at you look at him at Biden as president today, and he is still very much leading from behind. Yeah. So we've gone from America first to now America last. Mm-hmm. And I think that it shows. Uh, you know, everywhere. I mean, the rest of the world's moving on without us. You've got Saudi Arabia, which used to be completely dependent on us. They're now de-dollarizing. They're now moving away from the United States, relying on the United States for protection and looking to China and Russia. Uh, you, you have Israel even now saying, hey, look, I don't know if we can rely on the Americans. Maybe we just make separate deals with the Russians and the Chinese because they're kind of the big dogs now. They seem to be culturally confident and maybe they'll have our back. Um, you see the Europeans now. You have the French, the Germans. The French and the Germans were never on board with do, with fighting too hard in Ukraine. They want to do deals with Russia. They want to move Europe away from America's orbit into into Russia. You have China now challenging us across the board. Why? It's because the sense of weakness is so strong that they cannot help but to make new calculations and challenge us in new ways. And people look around and say, uh, "Why we, do this things?" Is provocative. Yeah, people look around here and say, "Why do things suck all of a sudden?" Well, yes. that you yeah. just heard. You just heard why. All right, Brandon. Let me take a quick break. Let's come back okay. and talk about your column over at 1945 on the Democrats. I think it's fascinating, Brandon I, Weichert, and I'll be right back. Weichert is W E I C H E R T. Don't go away.
Brandon Weikert is our guest. Uh, he is a columnist for a lot of different outlets, all the important ones, Washington Times, Asia Times. He is now with 1945.com as a senior editor and uh, author of several uh, important books, including Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, uh, which only works as a book and a how-to manual if you have a party or a leadership that wants America to remain as a superpower. Um, maybe we can. Uh, anyway, all right. Let me let me get to you. Yeah, let me yeah. Let me get to your. What if Joe Biden can't run for president? You you yeah. you outline. Um, I think all of the names that have been speculated upon, uh, and everyone knows who they are. The one I want to spend a moment with you on before we get to your grand conclusion is a name I didn't expect to see on this list, but I think you're right. Belongs on it, and that's Hillary Clinton. Um, yeah. she's not quite done, is she? No, and in fact, and I wrote last April, uh, the reason I included that in my 1945 piece is because last April I had mentioned this in a, in a column I wrote for American Greatness, and I wanted to kind of bring it up again, because she's sort of been making the rounds yeah. again. Yeah. She's sort of suddenly popped out like a whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. She's sort of popped out again. Um, she's now on MSNBC fairly routinely. Uh, last year, she and Bill restarted controversially the global gl- the, gl- the global the Clinton Global Initiative, uh-huh. which of course got them into such hot water. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, it's more than just needing to pay the bills. I think this is her testing the waters, thinking you know, uh, Reagan ran for three times, and the third time was a charm. Uh, maybe I can make my third time the charm. We know this woman has wanted to run since she was in her late teens, early twenties. Uh, we know this has been her lifelong ambition. We know that she really believes. You want to talk about an election denier? Yeah. The the, the original election denier yeah. was not Donald J. Trump. No. It was Hillary Clinton. Yes, and all of this right. spun off from Hillary Clinton believing and convinced convincing everybody that Donald Trump didn't win fair and square, that he turned to Putin to stop her from getting elected. And so, uh, you know, that, that this was the great, the big lie was that. And the Democratic Party never let it go for four years of Trump's administration, to the point that they weaponized the intel services uh, to, to basically go after Trump on trumped-up charges that ended up being almost completely false or completely exaggerated. Uh, and yet the country was still divided, and we're still talking about it today as if it was the truth. Uh, and in fact, I argue that one of the reasons that, that the, the Biden people are fighting and risking World War III with nukes is partly because uh, they really believe on the left that this was all... Um, a uh, result of uh, uh, Russian malfeasance in the election of 2016, and that this is their great revenge. They're going to destroy Putin because he dared to deny the sainted Hillary Clinton uh, her her little uh, you know victory in 2016. And so she might be coming back. Yeah, there's there's two things that people need to remember about her if they if they are looking at us with a cockeyed uh, quiz, uh, quizzical look. One is. The first question they'll say, wait, isn't she too old? Let me remind, she's a year younger than Donald Trump. Right. And the other thing is that I guess it's hard to express maybe for you or me, but I have been told this again and again, and I do believe it, that there is a tug, there is a pull with American women Democrats that she has that no Democrat ever has been able. There is some connection that is visceral, that is deep. Particularly educated women. Yes, and that is the 
part of the country's voters that you really do need and that the Republicans they, are going to have a very hard time with. If and she, the, yeah. that group, that group is why we lost 2018. Yeah. Yep, that yep. group is why we lost 2020. Yep, well, that group is why I think we might lose. It was why we lost 2022. And it might be why we lose 2024, um, especially if you have the right kind of candidate, uh, such as Hillary Clinton. Um, I, I would say that um, there is a fight right now, I think, behind the scenes between the Obama wing and the Clinton wing, yeah. where the Obama wing, I think, is quietly pulling the strings with Biden. Um, but I think that and that's why in the art, that same article, I mentioned Michelle Obama. And then I did another article for 1945 specifically talking about Michelle uh, and her chances and why she might run if Biden decides not to. Run. Yeah, we need to um, go to break and pick up on that because sure. that's your big grand conclusion. But Hillary Clinton yeah, definitely do not count. Out. Yeah, do not, not count, count that especially out. If Trump's the nominee yeah. For the Republicans. Yeah. She wants this badly and a lot of people Revenge. want it badly. Yeah, yeah. it is. That's, that's right. Brandon Weikert is our guest. W.E.I.C.H.E.R.T. Brandon J. Weikert, author of several important books, including, as I said, Winning Space, but also The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest talking about if Joe Biden doesn't run his uh, new piece over at 1945.com. One of his new pieces at 1945.com, I should say. So you think that, uh, and you have made compelling arguments for a long time now, that Michelle Obama is the one that it well, let's quote Oprah Winfrey about her husband. She's the one. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think actually, and if and if and if the article in question because I spun off from the article we were talking about before, mm-hmm. where I listed multiple possible <laughs> right. replacements for Biden, and then I that my editor at 1945, Beth, she said, why don't you just write one also no. detailing Michelle? No. So basically, how this would play out, I think, because there's a quote that she has from about six or four months ago when she was doing her book tour, Mm -hmm. she told audiences repeatedly on the book tour um, that she was personally hurt Mm -hmm. uh, by the the election of Donald Trump and that she viewed his election as a a repudiation by the American voters. Yep, like what Van Jones said, a white lash, right? That's right, a white lash, yes. And so that is not the commentary of a first lady just doing a book sale. Mm-hmm. That is the commentary of a very political animal who is really, I think, becoming galvanized into stepping into the political arena herself. And I think that if Joe Biden decides or, frankly, is told by Obama's handlers, because that's who's running this administration, they're all Obama people, and they're still loyal to Obama. And by the way, I mentioned in the book, I mean, I'm sorry, in the article, uh, in 2017, there was a great article in City Journal called The Shadow Presidency, and it was all about why Obama and his wife bought the $8.1 million home in Calorama, which is a very elite, exclusive neighborhood in north- northwestern D.C. Normally, presidents leave Washington, yep. D.C. It's very rare they stay. Yep. He stayed, and not only did he stay, but according to that article, as well as Politico from the same year, uh, that house became the, quote, nerve center of the resistance, right. where you had the likes of John Brennan. Mm-hmm. You had the likes of, of Val, uh, in fact, Val, um, what's her face? Yeah, uh, I know, Valerie Val, Jarrett. Uh, Valerie, Valerie Jarrett, Jarrett, yeah. Jarrett lived mm-hmm. in the basement. She lived in the basement mm-hmm. in that house mm-hmm. the whole time that he was there. Um, and she was conducting all sorts of operations. You had George Soros showing up there repeatedly, major Democratic donors. That was more than just a meeting place. That was where they were, I think, plotting the shadow government 
the same shadow government that ultimately put Biden into power, that ultimately is running Biden. Uh, we're, we've been told Biden has admitted that he speaks almost daily with Obama mm-hmm. in the morning. He gets that with his presidential briefing. So to me, if Biden is, is removed or told to not run, uh, he will not do it. Uh, and I think that suddenly, especially if, if Trump is the nominee, this is really about Trump. I think if Ron DeSantis is the nominee, I think if another Republican is the nominee, you probably won't have someone like a Michelle Obama or Hillary Clinton getting involved on the Democrat side. But if Trump's the nominee, given that visceral sort of personal gut reaction that some of these political players on the left have, I think Michelle in particular will be galvanized into stepping into the arena herself. And if she does, God help us, because I do not think there's a single Republican who can defeat her. I think she's the it girl. I think that she is the only one that could possibly overcome the backlash to Biden that can make people forget all the bad stuff of the last four years because her skin color, because she's a woman, and also because she has that star quality. She, like Trump, is a celebrity beyond anything else, more so than than a political player. I know she was the first lady, but a lot of people view her the way they view a celebrity and less like a first lady. And so that gives her a certain compelling nature that makes people want to vote for her. And the race and the gender thing really give her an added wedge. And the fact that she's a Gen Xer, so she's younger, and the fact that she's very articulate, the fact that she's she's strong, and the fact that she also has, let's face it, I, I mean, I wasn't his biggest fan at all, but she has a fairly popular husband who would be who's a former president who would be coming in with her and, and would probably be even more of a benefit to her than if Hillary had been president with Bill as her number two. And also, unlike the Clintons, who always faced criticisms from their left because Clinton ran to the middle whenever he could, um, the Obamas ran hard to the left. So they have the, they have the progressives in the Democrats firmly on their side. And they also have cross-sectional appeal. So if there's one person, I think, who could really stymie the Republicans, especially if Trump's the nominee, even if Trump puts a Kerry Lake, which I think he will, as his Veep, or if he puts a Nikki Haley, which I think would be a disaster for other reasons, but I think if he even has a woman uh, as his vice presidential candidate, I think that if Trump's the nominee, he's going to lose to Michelle Obama. I really do. There's a few other interesting ingredients in that pot that are worth thinking about, too, Brandon. Um, one is she would be very hard to run against because of the super sensitivity Extreme. and the ease yep. with which you could uh, you, 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 you could talk about, you know, uh, uh, dog whistles, let's say. That's yep. one. Two. Any criticism. And, yes, right. Yep. Two. Uh, if Kamala Harris was a glass ceiling breaker, think about what this would do. Uh, right. Right. And then three. Right. This this is going to be an inter- th- There's three and four. Three is that she perfectly look at the trajectory and the titles and the contents of her book. She yep. perfectly represents yep. this kind of uh, ethos of the age. She kind of sounds yep. like Marianne Williamson, but half her yep. age. Um, I can get and, into that. We have fun with those stuff. quotes. Right. Right. But then right. the real interesting part, yeah. the real interesting yeah. part, people forget how bitter, how Absolutely oh. bitter the Bill Cl- the Hillary Clinton country. Barack Obama race was. Yep. You know how much Hillary Clinton resented Barack o- Obama trading oh, in our yeah. territory. Oh, Imagine yeah. how much more bitter now make her well, a woman. Oh my right, gosh. Is, yeah. Yes, which is why you know oh, which is gosh. why I pointed out in the article about Hillary Clinton where I yeah. mentioned Hillary as a possible yeah. contender. 
that there is definitely a quiet race still going. You know, Ed Klein was the first to write about That's this right. in 2012, right. that, that, that there is a real division between right. the Hillary Clinton oh, side yeah. of the Democrats oh, and yeah. the Obama side. Oh, yeah. They had an agreement in 2016 to get oh, through that, yeah. but once Hillary Clinton couldn't do it, all bets were off. And yeah. Obama's making a play for the whole thing, because Obama's always had a jag against Clinton, because he thought Clinton was too moderate. Yep. Remember Obama, one of the first things he did was reverse the welfare That's reforms. Right that Clinton had put in, and that was purposeful because he was PO'd that they did that to begin with. He thought it was too conservative of a move by Bill Clinton. Of course. And so there's a real ideological, there's a real generational, and there's a real personal animus that's covered over between the Clinton and Obama wings that's never fully been remedied. No, it never has, and it'll be fascinating because, yes, it will will be. be. But you know what? But you know what? If Michelle is the nominee, there is no way Hillary Clinton's going to be able to surmount her. (laughs) I'm telling you, if If she she ends up in the race, yeah. I think Michelle Michelle is the nightmare scenario for everybody, and I think if she wins, not only is she going to beat Trump or any Republican, I think if she gets the nomination, I think she gets two terms, and the country is completely different, not for the better. We're out of time. We'll, f- we'll talk about it more. Okay. There is one big Achilles to the argument, which is I don't think she likes or takes criticism well. But we'll come back on that another time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Brandon Weicker, Godspeed to you. Until next week, my friend. You betcha. Thank you. A lot of you have heard me talk about Y-Refi for a while now. And if you still have some questions about what it could be like to invest with them, they would love for you to give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. They'd happily put you in touch with any number of their very satisfied clients and customers in the Phoenix area who have invested with them and done very well. They'd like me to ask you how your IRA is doing also. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the Fed or the stock market? Do you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds, and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred? That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. I suppose my disagreement with Brandon is a small one, but... I don't think you can underestimate how much someone like Michelle Obama does not like the heat, does not like or take criticism. Now, the counterargument to that is uh, what Brandon and I did discuss, which was how much blocking the rest of the media and the party will do for her. They'll do a lot of it. Um, There will be a lot of dog whistle type arguments she will be very hard to run against. And she really does kind of seize upon this kind of my truth Oprahification of our uh, of the parlance of our time. I mean, it's fun to open up her books, like her most recent one, and just pick a passage. Take The Light We Carry, overcome, Overcoming in Uncertain Times, and you get passages like just a random one. I've learned it's okay to recognize this, that self-worth comes wrapped in vulnerability and that what we share as humans on this earth is the impulse to strive for better always and no matter what. We become bolder in brightness. If you know your light... You know yourself. You know your own story in an honest way. In my experience, this type of self-knowledge builds confidence, which in turn breeds calmness and an ability to maintain perspective, which leads finally to being able to connect meaningfully with others. And this, to me, is the bedrock of all things. One light feeds another. I got to tell you, you know, these AI chat programs would do better. They would do better. That means absolutely nothing. 
one wants to call it a word salad, except that would be discriminatory towards salad, which actually does have a theme to it pretty much. You can understand what you're going to eat when you eat a salad. This is not a salad. This is not the dressing on the salad. It's not the bowl the salad is in. It's literal nothingness. It is nothingness. And she sells hundreds of thousands of copies of this and gets millions of dollars to write books that say nothing. And people love it. And it's hard to shadow box in the dark. It's hard to box someone in the dark. It's harder even still to shadow box in the dark. And a candidacy from her might just be something very much akin to that. All right, folks, thank you for starting your week with us. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Liebson. God bless you all, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.